What's up everybody, this is Elliot Terrell and you're listening to Magical Thinking, brought to you by artofmagic.com. My guest for this episode is Nick DeFat. Nick is one of my new favorite people. We met in Las Vegas at Magic Live, became fast friends because he's absolutely one of the funniest people I've ever met. I mean, even in this episode, I laugh hysterically hard at just the funny bits and jokes that he does and that we do together, so it's super funny. Nick is 20 years old, so we talk about being a young person in Magic and what it feels like to be so young but also have such a strong point of view and to be genuinely good. Nick is incredibly talented, both technically and presentationally. He's a hilarious stand-up magician, and I highly recommend that you go see his act at the Hooters Casino and Hotel in Las Vegas. He's the opener for Comedy Daredevil, which is Ryan Stock and Amberlynn Walker. They do a, a stunt show, which is pretty phenomenal. Nick is heavy into gambling, so we talk about the Dr. X props and products and devices and we talk about practicing and starting out and having a point of view and having a place to discover who you are and there's a bunch of funny stories in there as well so I know you're going to enjoy the episode I certainly did like I said Nick is one of my new favorite people and I had a really great time if you haven't already follow us on all of the social media channels Facebook and Instagram like us follow us all that stuff you know you can find us on Instagram at Instagram.com slash MagicalThinkingPodcast and Instagram.com slash Treasury of Wonder, Facebook slash A Sense of Mystery, Facebook slash MagicalThinkingPodcast, likes, follows, all around. Sign up for our newsletter. We are hosting a lecture on November 7th. Jack Carpenter is coming into town. You should definitely come by San Diego and check that out if you can. It's going to be amazing. Jack is incredible. And email me at podcast at Art of Magic to talk about the podcast and get some more information on Jack's lecture if you're going to be able to come by. Also, November 5th, two days prior to Jack's lecture, is our pop-up and open house at our warehouse. If you can make it, come on by. It'll be a great time. We had a blast at the first one, and this one's going to be even bigger and better. Anyway, get into the episode. You're going to love it. Take care. Well, that way you don't think about it as much. Oh, you know? but I do. <laughs> Apparently you don't know. I don't. Oh, there's other waters too? Yeah, that's for you. <laughs> if you should want it. <laughs> you just, I just want to make noise with this one all the time. <laughs> as long as you're not shuffling. Right. I haven't touched cards in like two weeks. Really? Super weird. Just been busy. Yeah. Be- Wait, you've been busy because your show has yeah. been... <laughs> guess we've been going... Yeah, because I work for 20 minutes a day. <laughs> I've been really busy. It's been hard on me. What have you been up to? <laughs> oh, is it already on? Yeah, we're on. Oh, God. Uh, nothing. We've just been building the show. Oh, no. Don't do that. <laughs> don't turn on your weird recording now voice. No, I know. I just hate stuff like this. Um, so <laughs> no, we've been like constantly tweaking the show. So Ryan and I will come home after the show, and then we'll discuss how awful certain things were, and yeah. then go back and fix them and put them in the show the next night, or in the days off, go back and tweak them and put them in, and hopefully people laugh, or you know, just don't leave. Like whatever works. You haven't walked the room yet. Yeah. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. We've had a couple people. We've so we've. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) 
so so funny story. The <laughs> Ryan uh, does this amazing thing where he puts hooks in his eyeballs uh, for real. So like I come out and I do my hody do thing, and then he comes out and does some stuff that's like unbelievably impressive. And then he goes, oh, let's do something crazier. You want to go crazier? And then all the people go, yeah. And then he goes, okay. And <laughs> You're going to regret this. Like, oh, my fucking God. Like, so then he puts hooks in his eyes, and he hangs cowbells from them, and then he hangs a bowling ball at the bottom of it. And we have had, like, <laughs> I've seen old people flipping out, and we had three people walk out. Because the, the, the situation is there. It's not like it's a bad show. It's unfucking believable But they, can't they didn't know what they were coming to see. They got free tickets on a house ticket site. So they were, like, older people who see, like, six Cirque du Soleil shows a week or whatever. <laughs> And they're coming to see this grand artistic masterpiece, and then I come out and whatever, catch spoons and cups, and then Ryan goes out and does like amazing stuff that's horrifying, and then they just are like, oh, too much, like overload. Well, this kid did not prepare us for the show. Yeah, this, yeah this opening act did not properly vet us for what is about to happen. <laughs> Oof. But no, it's been great. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I I love watching uh, the reactions that we've been getting so far because like if somebody didn't specifically come to the show to see that show, it's a weird show because <laughs> they're like, okay, who's this pale kid who opens for twenty minutes and he looks like Ellen DeGeneres and he's gonna do like. He's going to come out and he's going to catch spoons and cups and then the real act comes on and he's going to stick stuff in his eyeballs and nose. And that's the show. So they're never ready for it. What is what is the end of the show look like? Now, I'm not asking the about the, the actual show? show, not the finale. You mean people after? <laughs> yes, I mean, like, are people, like, vomiting and, like, they're so... is the no. What I'm actually asking right, is, like, yeah. is the response super crazy at the end of the show super because positive. they just didn't know what to expect? Stupidly like, positive. Oh, yeah. So even if, like, we've had it, we've had, what is it, out of, like, whatever, three and a half weeks of shows or whatever, mm-hmm. we've had two nights where <coughs> we both looked at each other and we were like, whoa, they were quiet. They were real quiet the mm-hmm. whole show. Like, barely laughing. Like, you have to tell them when to clap kind of thing <laughs> and we we were like oh like that was a that was a flop but then the people come up to you after the show and they're just enamored with everything they're like oh i'm so thankful that you know you caught spoons and cups and <laughs> you put on a little suit or whatever so no the response has been great yeah oh, super super positive Good reviews online so far too, which I guess is important. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> you know, because the internet, right? Like that's. I heard it's the new newspaper. <laughs> Are you familiar with the old newspaper? Yeah. <laughs> no, but that was. I heard that that would be a good reference point. <laughs> would be paper. Okay, so let's give the listeners some backstory. How old are you? I'm 20. You're 20. Yeah. And you're from? St. Paul, Minnesota. St. Paul, Minnesota. And you decided to move to the worst place (laughs) in the universe. And you decided to do the literal shittiest thing and move to Las Vegas. No. Uh, I've been going back and forth for 
five years, six years doing work stuff, doing DVDs and downloads and little shows with people and working on material and just hanging out. And then I came to a point where I was like, oh, I need to jump and do something or I'm just going to continue to be stale and boring. And I it worked out very well. I just My goal was I just, oh, okay, I just want to do a whole bunch of shows in a short period of time. So yeah. being able to do five shows a week is a total dream job. And you can't really do that anywhere else in the country. Yeah. I mean, Branson, but I just hate <laughs> that's the where, elderly. So. That's where performers go to die. Yeah, I don't go over well with uh, retirement villages. So. <laughs> I'm sure the material is well loved, but you, as a person, <laughs> me personally, no, it's normally the material. Like I would do, I did a like a dementia ward once. <laughs> I did a show okay. in a hospital for like older people that were in a bad situation, right? And yeah. I didn't know what I was getting into. <laughs> and my Brett, my my Brett, my Brett, <laughs> my friend Brett. Uh, Bert Bishop, uh, my friend Brett Bishop went along and he was in the back and we didn't know that it was the dementia ward. Yeah. And so we go in and I've got like, you know, this <laughs> box full of like weird stand-up comedy magic stuff that I'd been working out at open mics and comedy clubs and I was hosting burlesque shows and this material was like good for yeah. normal adults that <laughs> like knew what was happening around them and I went to this elderly thing and just old people basically only appreciate the fact that I, I'm wearing a tie like yeah. they're like oh who put him in a little suit like that was the most important part of the whole thing for them God. so the material did not translate no I remember there was a thing with a cookie eating race there's a bit that I used to do there's a bizarre as a great Oreo routine and he, I, I bought the original one, and then we worked out this thing with a call bell. It was like a race thing, and I remember getting an older woman up to help, and it was like she was not ready to race. That was, <laughs> that was, it was not a racing situation. But yeah, it's got that going for me. <laughs> okay, well, so how did you get into magic up in Minnesota? I got into magic because I was bad at everything else, including <laughs> math and sports and being a functioning human. So, no, I got into magic. Uh, my parents would take me to, like, library shows to go mm -hmm. see magicians and jugglers. And I remember one guy who was a juggling magician that was very clearly in his thing. And I got into juggling first, actually, because, yeah. you know, that. And then, <laughs> and then somehow from juggling, I realized that juggling took like ooh, effort and sports and i didn't want to be a part of that because i can't and so i uh, ended up kind of finding magic through that getting into close-up stuff really hardcore yeah and uh found do you know tyler erickson i don't know if we've talked about this minnesota mm, guy no I ended up finding him, and I started taking lessons from him. I, I went to, like, the Youth Magic Club, which are always, you know, really great. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, I was really, really lucky, actually, because it was Jeff Williams and Tyler running it. And Tyler ended up, like, he uh, is a great teacher. He's a great uh, director, teacher, writer type person. And he... Uh, was offering lessons through the shop. I started taking lessons through the shop, and then it developed through 13 years into him, like, writing and directing stuff I was putting on stage and, and a whole bunch of magic-related stuff with him, and so he's been massive help. Yeah. But. Did he... <clears throat> 
did he kind of uh, is, is he sort of the reason that you got into comedy magic or was it just funny story because uh, okay. he doesn't really do he has a stand up show but he doesn't consider it like his thing yeah so so I was uh, I always liked stand up magic and, and a lot of the people that were around me did a stand up show um, like I know the two of the bigger influences were Jeff Williams and uh, a guy named Fred Bache just really really great stand up comedy magicians Fred's you know, great Midwest just worker just works his ass off he's yeah. not big in the magic community a lot of people know who he is but it's like kind of a cool underground just dude who works his ass off and does shows for real people Yeah, and they're very funny and I've always liked comedy and funny stuff but I was training with like coins and cards and, and you know cups and balls you real close up stuff yeah yeah because yeah. you know that's fun and so, yeah of course I love it no I love I'm still big into card moves and, and that kind of crap but yeah. the the whole thing was I uh, it was like what 7th grade I got asked by the school because they heard that I did magic to do um, they were like oh we have this variety show thing and normally it's only for the high school kids but if you want to be a part of it put together something and do the, the show or whatever and I went to Tyler and I was like, oh, so holy shit, I have nothing. And <laughs> and we go, well, okay, well, let's start with 10 minutes or, you know, six, seven to 10 minutes. Yeah. And so we put together three tricks yeah. and wrote scripts. And we're, we both joke very hard with each other, like very, very pokey, hardcore, make fun of each other jokey. And so we sat down and wrote this really self-deprecating, amazing, like... For a seventh grader who had never done this before, Tyler was a massive help in just being like, oh, so you look like this. So when you walk out on stage, everybody thinks you look like this. So why don't you address that? Yeah. You know, and stuff like that. And it was really, That's really, really cool. profound yeah. advice is to address what the audience is thinking oh, straight away. Oh, it's so stupidly important. Yeah. So yeah, that that's a big thing for me is within the first five seconds that you walk out people judge the hell out of you yeah. and you need to address that or else it's this big like looming awkward thing like i so in my lecture notes i've got a whole a whole section on self-awareness yeah because it's so important and that was the first thing i read in your notes by the way oh really yeah what's well, so important it's stupid <laughs> so we're in a business where if you go out on stage you need to know what you look like and mm. as far as like art disciplines go i think magicians seem to be the least self-aware i've ever encountered ever (laughs) uh like have you ever been to a magic convention great okay so now you know (laughs) where that's at but so i mean if you sit down with honest people and have them tell you what you look talk act like you're you're going to be in a much better position and address it address all of it in Mm -hmm. the show or you know you don't have to tell them everything you can show them some of that but as long as they know that you're like you know you know <laughs> mentally there it's it's so much better and the audience they need that to relax i think like yeah. in the notes i think i use some awful analogy about like if you went out there and you have a wonky eye <laughs> and you never call attention to it like the whole audience the whole time is gonna be like does he know he has a wonky <laughs> eye because it's bugging me now or like if you only have one leg yeah fucking mention that you know yeah or else it's awkward. Yeah. But uh, that's a big thing for me. It always has been, always probably will be. Yeah. You know. You're giving other people uh, permission to be comfortable. 
Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's this big looming thing. Like I'll use an example of a thing that happened to me a couple months ago. <laughs> I'm uh, so excited. Yeah. Well, you probably. I think we might have talked about it. We talked about. I worked a, a magic venue that a lot of magicians go to, right? Uh huh. That the we'll call it the magic castle. Magic castle. We'll call it the magic castle. <laughs> okay. That's what it was. And <laughs> and I. It was youth week. <laughs> right, so yeah. so it's Youth Week. I think we did talk about this. We did talk about this, and I think this is important to talk about. I'm very <laughs> open about this. Okay. Um, is that I was invited in to come and do this show, and I was like, oh, okay, so someone in the show will probably mention that it's Youth Week, right? Because yeah. there are guests there who paid real adult money to see a bunch of kids and they might not know that so yeah. like if, if a bunch of kids are coming out one kid after another kid after another kid and nobody calls attention to the fact like hey it's kids week it's super awkward yeah and and it was and yeah. so so it, that hadn't been done so the first show i go out there 30 minutes 35 minutes into the show and yeah. i make a joke about what are you in the palace we're in the palace okay yeah so so I was uh, very late in the show, mm-hmm. and, and 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 they were just like, oh, okay, this is like, you know. These are children on stage. These are children on stage, and I look like I'm 12, so I fit right <laughs> in. It was great. But um, so I go out there, and in one of the jokes, I referred to it as Kids Week, and mm-hmm. it get a very positive response from the audience. I didn't say it in a negative way. Yeah. I just said it in like, hey. We're all on the same page, right? Joke, 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 joke. Yeah. Kids week. And the response was very positive, and mm-hmm. so I continued to do it in the rest of the shows. And yeah. then I got reprimanded for doing that. <laughs> but we won't get into that. Yeah, I got, like, actually yelled at for calling it kids week by a person. Not an upper castle person, but, like, a... Doesn't matter. Okay. Somebody. <laughs> <It's> so funny. <laughs> Somebody there. Somebody who was in charge of, of the youth, but that's okay. <laughs> it was great no and i think that was something that actually had to be done yeah like i'll stand behind that fully i yeah. mean if you have a show where it's all kids and you, nobody ever jokes about it it's super weird yeah especially you know? since this is a private club mm-hmm. that sells alcohol in every single room and it's a literal it's like the best five bars in one building i've ever been to and <laughs> Then there's just children parading Full around of kids, yeah. yeah, yeah, and their moms like primping their hair before they go out. <laughs> I think I was the only one that like my parents weren't there. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wasn't worried about it. Um, but no, it's just like it was super interesting to me that somebody was like, "Oh, please don't address the elephant in the room." It's like if the magic castle had wonky eye week, you know, like somebody should at least mention that. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, so that was my Magic Castle experience. <laughs> Overall, very positive, except for the Kids Week thing. <laughs> very good. So, what? Uh, how do you how do you go about writing your material now? Uh, it's still a lot of. Oh, that's hard. So, it depends on if I'm going from I have a trick that I specifically want to write. Uh, jokes and junk for or mm-hmm. if I am writing for somebody else which is now a more common thing in my life that I never thought I'd be doing but yeah. I really like it um, and also or if I have like if it's just a bit 
a mm-hmm. gag. Usually a gag will come from sitting on the porch with friends <laughs> and making fun of stuff. Like yeah. that will normally like I will I will s- explain a gag to you which I would normally never do because it sounds stupid when you explain it but this joke made me cry i was laughing so hard <laughs> and and so we were sitting around and this is um this is super dumb but so this went from beginning to end all in one sit down with a friend uh, so there was no writing. It was just, wouldn't it be funny if you had a glass of warm water? And so I hate doing morning news shows and stuff like that because mm-hmm. they're really monotonous and awful. Okay. And they ask you the same dumb questions like, <laughs> how did you get into magic? No offense. And <laughs> <laughs> No, and so, oh, how did you get into magic? I don't know. Books? And so, <laughs> like, so the whole thing is you go, well, you know what? I'm going to teach you a prank that you can pull on your friends. I got All you need is a warm glass of water, and you have a glass of water, and you take and you say, now, when your friend is sleeping, you take their hand and you put it in the glass of water. like that. And as you're explaining this and acting it out and putting your hand in the water, I have a pump rig that we're making <laughs> to where you just piss your own pants. <laughs> And so we've been working on this for like a couple weeks and it's just the dumbest thing. But that like that took no effort to write. Obviously, it's just like what's okay. uh, Pee pants. Great. Done. So that took no effort. But I mean, if there's if I'm writing for somebody else, it's do I know the cadence that they speak with and and, and kind of their personality and point of view? Exactly. Yeah. Like the whole. Uh, like if you take the fawns and you put them in the woods, you know how he'd react. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's there's people with defined characters, and then there's just like vanilla white guy magicians who I don't want to write for because yeah. it's it's hard. It's like I don't know, no the clean hand. You know? like, it's just there's there's people that don't have a personality. Like there's a uh, more than a handful of shows that I think you the main guy in it, and it's really sad to me actually that there's shows in this city where I could take another random guy and just put him in the same position and teach him all the tricks and it'd be the exact same show. Like, that to me kills me. Mm -hmm. It's just so stupid that, like, you know, that that person didn't take time to develop who they actually are as a person and put that on stage for an audience. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's just... I don't know. I don't think it's wrong. It's just not what I want. Yeah. So it sounds corny and dumb. But. You just want to make good art. Yeah. I just want to make good art and cry a lot or whatever. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And then and then when I'm writing for myself, it's usually, um, you know, an idea will get sparked by like, okay, so we'll talk about the spoons. Let's talk about the spoons. Okay. So do you want to, do we go into the backstory of the spoons a little bit? Tell people what, what the is? spoons are first okay, and then we'll so, tell them why that's a thing. Right. So, <laughs> because, yeah. Because I'm unclear. Yeah, no, I think everybody is. That's why I do it. And so, um, the spoons is this stupid trick. It's real dumb. It's a trick where it's a, it's an old juggling trick that I guess has been traced back to like the thirties or forties. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was this old German juggler's trick or something. Can't remember his name. It's probably on my phone in my email somewhere. <laughs> but so, um, but it's it's a board with a bunch of cups on it, and then you put like you know seven or ten glasses, and then you put spoons in front of them on the board, and then you flip all the spoons into the cups, and you catch them all in the cups. Yeah, and that's it. That's the whole bit. <laughs> um, but I, I saw, I learned this, and then I found it in a book, and I saw a couple like old plate spinning acts do it, and I was like, oh, this is very appealing to me. 
why yeah exactly <laughs> i don't know i just love i love stupid tricks like the things that are genuinely hard have no purpose and don't accomplish anything yeah i love stuff like that and making an audience like it like forcing that into their head <laughs> Like uh, I don't know of other examples that would be good here. Like uh, the the hoop and glass thing. I think Mike Caveney does it. Yeah, yeah, it's again, coffee. Super coffee, old yeah. thing. Yeah, he does a coffee juggling routine. Yeah. Right, and then there's which like, is uh, which is amazing. It's incredible. Yeah, it's great. And he phenomenal. and he forces people in liking a juggling trick. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that's all it is. Yeah, um, but I like stunt based stuff. Uh-huh. I like crap like that like the old golf i don't know if you've ever seen like the golf club trick like the famous golf club trick um which i was trying to learn for a while and might try to put back in but it's like uh you balance a golf club on your face but then balanced on that golf club is the ball is a ball and then another golf club balanced horizontally on top Uh and then you can like spin the top one and it's impressive yeah it's so dumb and pointless yes (laughs) i love it (laughs) i love just crap like that yeah and so i've always kind of i seek it out and so i found the spoons thing yeah and was like oh that's real dumb perfect and (laughs) and so i put it in my show as a callback throughout the show so um i would come out and i would do a couple things whatever you know address the audience about how self-aware i am (laughs) (laughs) and then go into like whatever material junky junk that i already do and then i i just one night put in this spoons thing and so the whole idea was i was gonna go out and i was gonna mess it up like three times and then at the end it would be like uh like a pseudo forced encore was the original idea in my head. I was like, oh, they're going to ask for it by the end. And so so I did that in the first time I ever did it. I come out and I do the whole thing. And the whole joke that I wanted was, you know, you, you set up these cups and spoons and it's this like very intricate thing and you flip it all in the air and it all falls on the floor and you don't catch any of them. And then like on stage, I'm very dry, very... A lot of silence, a lot of long pauses, because mm-hmm. I love that shit, and yeah. and I'm fairly okay at it now. <laughs> like that's that's all I have. So so, uh, drop all the spoons. Clearly messed up the thing, and then I walk to the mic stand, and like a good 15 seconds later, I end up going. All right, we're gonna do a card trick, and <laughs> and then we do the rest of the show. I set the whole thing up again, and then I just leave it set up. Yeah. And then by the end of the show, we do this whole bill routine, and the guy's the hero of the show, and blah, 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 and we send him back to his seat, and I say, thanks so much, good night. And the first night I ever did it, this lady's like, what about this spoon thing, which was set up on top of the table, and I was like, oh, this? And, <laughs> you know, the wheels start turning in your head, and yeah. then it's like, oh, perfect. They want to see this. So then it was like this nice period on the end of a long set and i did that for a while yeah and then ryan stock and i were sitting on the porch and we're like oh and this was like you know nine in the morning not that we woke up at nine in the morning we were up until about 11 in the morning (laughs) sitting on the porch like saw a couple sunrises and sets and 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 we were like well how could you do it as a one-off how could you do this as we're gonna do only the spoons like if, if you got booked for something how could you just do the spoons thing as a one-off thing instead of doing it as a part of a weird like <laughs> shitty art show you know or whatever <laughs> and so we developed this whole thing with a guy from the audience where that you'll see on thursday where i'm just like yelling at him and being mean to him <laughs> and he has to he has to do a drum roll 
but he's given no instruction and just a handheld microphone and he has no idea what's going on and I'm stage cueing him the whole time and he throws confetti all over the stage at the wrong point and I just really dig into him like I get very mean uh, but at the, in the end they, they I can get away with a lot yeah because you look like Ellen because I look like you could probably like I'm very muggable yeah. like you could mug me like yeah you would uh you would, you would fall down in the street at the yeah. approach of a mugger. Probably. Yeah. And they would just pick things off of your body. Yeah, and they wouldn't even have to ask. <laughs> You'd be like, be like, possum. of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just play possum. That's been my whole life. It's just play possum. <laughs> Why do you think you're you're drawn to dumb stunt based oh, tricks? Oh man, I don't know. <clears throat> I think it's probably cuz I thought so hard about magic for so long. <laughs> You know, and I really do care about magic tricks. Like, the material that I put in the show still, I'm still really concerned with. Is this genuinely deceptive? Because I don't... I think a lot of magic tricks are... Like, we we get into iffy space with if things are really genuinely deceptive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like uh, I don't know. What's the trick I was just discussing with a friend? Like, coins through handkerchief? Uh-huh. Like, with the, the sheer scarf thing? Yeah. I feel like lay people just kind of aren't impressed. They're like, oh, cool, you can shove a coin through a pantyhose? Like, I don't know <laughs> what. Like, you know, it's just... It's, is this stuff deceptive and is it really fooling? And, and most of the time, these tricks have way too many layers and phases and extra shit and it's nice to just say like okay here's one good genuine deceptive magic like I, I took forever to develop this bill routine that I do this bill and Cracker Jack thing and had all these different awful methods that ended up basically in the end all, all you're doing is simplifying you know down to the most what was the question I <laughs> Basically, why was I? Why am I drawing all these stunts? Yeah, but I, well, just keep going on that. It's sure, like talking about thinking about magic. Yeah, I mean, uh, so yeah, when when I write new material, <laughs> I do genuinely give a damn if it's fooling, because in the end, you you're a magician, right? So you that's kind of your job. Uh, yeah. You know, I've I've worked some shows where the title is comedian and that's awesome and I accept it and I really do like that and for some shows I prefer that title because mm-hmm. there are certain venues and, and things where I would not be getting respect as a as a magician yeah well it's about that context yeah, absolutely yeah yeah and that and that's the thing is that uh, I still like being a magician I, I am a magician I still think very magic inclined but like I got Frustrated with a lot of things about magic and, and some weird ethics junk and getting mm-hmm. stuff stolen and being accused of stealing and mm-hmm. just weird stuff that kind of pushed me away from wanting to go to the conventions and wanting to to be a part of this like magic Community. collective and, yeah. and and also honestly like there's a lot of guys out there that are working as a magician that just are awful and I don't want to be associated with them yeah but that's just me being a dick. Uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, so when I put material in the show, still it's still magic based. But I think in the end, I you know you learn that the only reason you're getting away with what you're getting away with when you're pulling a guy's hearing aid off and stealing his wallet and calling him mean names and when he's wearing cargo shorts, you say like, "Well, save up and buy some real pants or whatever." <laughs> like, like the the reason I get away with that stuff is it's only personality and it's all about kind of earning their trust mm-hmm. and then you know being able to joke with them. Yeah, and and I wasn't getting that through magic. It was all through jokes and and comedy and personality and that stuff for a while was overshadowing the magic and totally i was i was 
going for that instead of for that and magic but mm. i think in the end you know as i develop material i still go for like hey is this a really good trick because if it's not a good trick and i'm just doing it to make a dumb dick joke or something like i'm not gonna do it yeah <laughs> you know but those are great too of course but so why are you then drawn to the oh to the, the weird stunty stuff? stuff. Yeah. I think it's just because I got sick of magic. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I was like, if 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 my personality and stuff is is on stage is to where I can earn the trust of an audience, I can do uh, almost anything. Mm-hmm. Like I get two minutes out of pulling a guy's hearing aid off. Yeah, like there's there you can do anything. I one of my idols is Tom Mollica, mm-hmm. and Tom Mollica. There's amazing video of Tom working. Um, I think it was the Stevens tape in a card trick where the lady forgets her card, and in the end, the card trick really doesn't work. But they still clap and love him. And I mean, Tom was the absolute genius, easily one of the funniest comedy magicians ever. Yeah. And the personality was so likable mm-hmm. that I'm pretty sure he could have just like, you know, shit in a bucket, and they probably would have still loved it. Like yeah. that's that's the big thing that I keep thinking about in my head is like. You could kind of do anything, and so I thought, okay, well, let's try the anything thing for a minute. And I and I put spoons in cups. I closed like forty five minute sets with putting spoons in cups, and I wanted to see what that was like. Yeah, I think I just wanted to like fiddle with that line of like, okay, I'm booked as a magician, but I'm gonna see what I can get away with. Yeah, I think I just got bored. But <laughs> <laughs> so if that's a fair answer. I was bored. You know. <laughs> Well, it, that's good though because, like, there are a lot of magicians which you've kind mm-hmm. of touched on earlier sure. that don't ever get bored. Yeah, they never get bored. Well, they get because um, they're not they're very growing. content in what they do. Yeah, which is terrifying to me because like they they have the same material for years and years and years, and it's and it never is good. Yeah, you know they 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 go. Oh well, I have a show. I got ten tricks. You know whatever, <laughs> and then they're going to keep that for their whole life. And there's never a progression, and there's never a dumping of material. You know, there's never like, okay, I took my whole show, this art thing, beginning to end, and I put it on video, and I was happy with it, and now I'm going to scrap it. And mm-hmm. that was a big thing that I I took from appreciating the stand up comedy world is that these yeah. guys have a new hour every year, mm-hmm. and if like I don't know how people think that it's like creating great art you know if they create this one show and just do it till they're dead like that seemed really shallow and weird for me Mm -hmm. but i don't know i'm 20 so i could i I could be doing meth next week and (laughs) give all this up right but i mean it it's yeah it's strange to me (laughs) yeah well i love that you're young and you have such strong opinions. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's that. just because I'm a dick. But <laughs> I'm like, no, it's just I, I, because I, I, I'm young. Too. I'm only 23. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Know. And I'm doing this. Yeah. How much more pretentious could I be? <laughs> have a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Have a podcast. Ooh, I have a fancy microphone and opinions. I'm going to show the whole internet. <laughs> it keeps me up at night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, the thing is, like, you know, you work so hard at the stupid little thing that you want to be doing like okay so like say i put a line in the show like oh i put a new sentence in the show that sentence took for fucking ever to put together yeah so i am gonna care Mm -hmm. and when people use the term comedy magician for themselves yeah and they're not funny i don't understand it like it bugs me 
Yeah. I, like, if you're not a funny person, mm-hmm. when I talk to you face-to-face or in real life, I don't know why you want to put that across on stage or, like, sell yourself as that. Mm-hmm. I would much rather you take your real personality, use whatever art medium, say it's magic, to, to express yourself and put that on stage. Like, I'd much rather have, like... You know, it's got to be so authentic. It has to be authentic because audiences know that. And that yeah. was a big thing I got. I did a, a Juan Tomari's seminar thing in Spain. Mm-hmm. It was great. My buddy Tyler was lecturing, and I went along, and I got to do the, like, you know, 50 million hour late night workshop <laughs> Tomari's thing. And he talked about um, that audiences can just sense that when you're mm-hmm. fake. And that was something that I thought myself. And, you know, obviously we get to be deceptive or whatever in magic we get to like lie yeah but that's all part of it but i think personality wise like if you are trying to put something else across uh they can sense that Mm -hmm. especially if you're trying to be a comedy magician and you're like oh and it's you're in your clean hand (laughs) (laughs) you know i just it's so strange to me well it's like if you're not up there and you're not being authentic and you're not being true to yourself and to your character right then none of the lies that you're telling these people are going to be accepted. Exactly. Well, they're never going to be... They just take everything as a lie and they go, well, that was a really hollow experience. They, they've never, yeah, they don't connect with you. They don't... Yeah. yeah. Well, by the end of my show, people know, like... They know a lot about me, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, I bring up a lot of real <laughs> stuff. I bring up military... Getting kicked out of military school and all this crazy stuff. Yeah. And and they probably, at least to some degree, I hope, feel like we've connected for real. Like, my yeah. whole thing is just connecting on a human level with people by joking about things that are real. Yeah. And things that they're actually thinking and that I am actually feeling. Like, that to me is so powerful. Mm. And to have a guy be like, oh, I'm a comedy magician. And then be like, well, hippity hop rabbits, diddle diddle, now they're green. Like, to <laughs> me, that seems so shallow. And... You know, and I really, man, I really appreciate those guys who are out there working, though, because they're they're like the heart and soul of, of magic, and they're keeping magic clubs alive, and they're keeping magic alive in general, and they're they're killing it doing library shows or whatever. And there are, let's back up, a lot of really genuine great performers doing that yeah, stuff that yeah, are yeah. authentic. But I'm just looping all the other idiots into that. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> you know, you, you you encounter so many people that are comic. Yeah. magicians and comedy magicians that, that I, I, I'm not going to say like don't deserve the title because that sounds really awful pretentious but yeah pretentious because I don't even yeah. deserve that I catch spoons in cups <laughs> and like talk about how I'm like oh I'm sad let me validate my life for you you know but but uh, the yeah the whole, the whole thing is basically just be authentic or yeah. don't do it or well because I, I guess you're just not doing it for the same reasons I am. Yeah. Like, the those people do those people really well. You know, mm-hmm. that guy does that guy really well. But mm-hmm. I don't want to be that guy. What is the reason that you're doing it? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I like making people happy. I like laughter. Yeah. That's a big thing for me and always has been. Yeah. And so being able to do that on stage in a room and, like, feel that is yeah. crazy to me. It's yeah. great. And I like magic tricks. Honestly, <laughs> I do like magic. I do like doing stuff for people. The The... For me, magic was never like, ooh, I'm going to 
I don't know what kind of wording they use on the internet now, but like, I'm going to mysteriously deceive my audience through <laughs> Ledger Domain, you know, whatever. It was never, like, it was never about fooling people. It was just about, like, here's this cool thing, want to see this cool thing? Yeah. And then, and then if you like it, oh, that's neat, I got more. Like, it was <laughs> never, like, I'm going to force this deceptive Ledger Domain on you. Yeah. You know, but I, I was honestly genuinely working on, like, good close-up stuff yeah and and do really care about that and then i would i started putting my personality into close-up stuff i was doing strolling magic for a long time Uh doing like opening up i can't imagine you walking up to oh it's the best (laughs) it's actually the best so here i will explain how that went Uh, (laughs) it's great no and i i did really i was very well accepted doing that which is crazy because, like, if you've ever, like, hung out with me in person, you'd think, like, oh, don't let him in the Buffalo Wild Wings, you know, to do magic for people. But I would, I would do, I'd fill in for a friend at his restaurant for a few years, and, and I never had my own strolling gig because I didn't want to commit. Because uh, I didn't want to, like, ooh, every Friday, that sounds awful. And now I'm doing five nights a week every night in Las Vegas. I love it. I, I love doing the stage stuff. But, but going and doing close-up uh, I oh well okay so I'll explain what it was and then I'll go into why I don't like it okay uh, why it's not for me for <laughs> sure not for me and I respect the guys who do it uh, so when I would do it I had to open with like a joke mm. and it had to be my personality so I would walk up very dry <laughs> and I just say hi I'm Nick I'm the pre meal entertainment blah 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 say whatever. And then they would say, you know, yes, sometimes to seeing what I was offering. And then I would say, great, if you could just move your drinks over so I don't knock them over when I'm dancing. And so I would never, I would never tell them I was a magician because it would, that freaked me out. I never wanted to be like, oh, I'm, I'm magic. And then they'd be like, okay, cool. Uh, Piss off. Like, you know, I'm trying to eat with my family. Like our great aunt just died and I'm trying to eat. Can you leave? Um, but yeah, that was the main reason I didn't like strolling is that it felt so invasive. Yeah, it just seemed like this like I wasn't able to put across what I wanted to be putting across because they weren't there to see me, and frankly, did not want to see me. <laughs> I mean, it, uh, again, ne- never like negative response from what I was doing. The material was like well thought out, and we would put my personality, Tyler and I, again. Tyler was huge for me mm-hmm. in earlier years, putting together material that was like funny in the way that I wanted to be funny and and genuinely deceptive but in the end I just felt like I was forcing this like awful horse pill down their throat (laughs) at a fucking like they're there to eat yeah it's awful yeah I respect the guys who do it as a full-time thing because it's hard it is yeah um and also like emotionally painful (laughs) like like you walk into a table and you go hey I'm magic and they go no and then you go Right. Okay. Bye. Like it's just the worst. The best strolling gig I ever had was I was the one of like three guys who was opening at a stand-up uh, comedy club at a comedy club in the Mall of America. It was amazing because yeah. they were there to see a show. So if you came up to their table during the like hour of meal stuff before the show, yeah. they were so responsive, responded to Stiv, and so great. <laughs> No, they were really open to what you were trying to do. Yeah. Which was awesome. Yeah. And I just got to work on cool magic stuff. And I actually would start to, like, sneak in stand-up material into yeah. performing for these bigger tables. And that was a way that I kind of got into that stuff was, yeah. was like, oh, well, uh, in between, you know, 
uh, whatever card trick I'm doing and whatever weird closer thing I'm doing and, you know, Sponge Ding Dong, I'm going to do... No, I'm just kidding. Never did Sponge Ding Dong. Should have, though. Yet. Uh, yeah, never did Sponge Ding Dong yet. Going in the Hooters show on Thursday. Uh, it makes sense. It's a, yeah. Uh, no, Hooters is a family restaurant, Elliot, just oh, so you know. My mistake. <laughs> We've been asked to be very careful of the branding. <laughs> Which is owls? Next question. Uh, no. <laughs> so no, the um, the whole thing was really, yeah. So I would sneak in stand up material and I would work that into strolling. Like I had this rope routine and I would do like uh, you know abbreviated version of the rope thing at yeah. tables because yeah. you get big tables and you can stand on chairs. I love oh I love standing on chairs during during close up stuff. <laughs> Because you just have this, like, if you're hired, I would get hired to do, like, a little cocktail hours and, like, you know, dumb stuff for, like, your parents' work. Like, yeah. I was really young when I was doing strolling stuff. Yeah. And I just loved the fact that you could, like, okay, these, you know, you're doing some boring Monty thing down here. You can get up on a chair and get two people next to you and now make it this whole thing where you have a group experience and experienced it this, this. <laughs> Instead of just like a couple people watching you do your little boring thing, which yeah. is why I think I get more out of doing stage stuff. Yeah, is because I like bonding as a whole room full of people. That sounds really corny and weird, <laughs> but like it's true. No, I yeah. just think it's it's interesting after a show to be like, whoa, we all connected about the same things and we're able to laugh at things that are real, and we all had a, a genuine experience. Well, that's what it feels like to me. The reason that you want to do stand up and you right. want to do it in a way that like people pay to cut they're making a sacrifice yeah. to come see you so oh, they yeah. have like been active yeah and proactive about coming yeah. to see you and they're, they're open to your they're experience coming to a show where they're paying money for a piece of paper with your name on it to sit in a room and watch you they're so much more responsive yeah they and want it to be they good. Want it? No, they're always behind you. Yeah, they're, I mean, we've all had shows where the audience is, you know, absolute garbage. Yeah. they're just garbage people that yeah. are just the worst. <laughs> yeah, but that's—I don't think that's their fault. Sometimes yeah. I think it's like venue dependent, and if the room is set up weird and they don't trust anybody yet, and the, mm. and and you know the cocktail service was awful or something, and they're like, "Whoa, I paid thirty-eight dollars." To see this dude I got the kids in a, a sitter. fake comedy club, yeah. like in Rochester, Minnesota, like you know, and that was a show that happened to me. Um, but like, <laughs> it's it's so funny that when people are there to see you, it's better. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. it seems shallow and dumb, but it's true. But like, it's if absolutely they pay money true. to see you; they're gonna like yeah. you. <laughs> and you, and then in turn, you have a responsibility to deliver something that is yeah, unique don't be and authentic. Awful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, be gent. Don't do silk to egg and then paper balls over the head and then bolorama and losander table. I have nothing against any of those tricks. It's just that everybody does that show. That's the show. If you go to see a guy who's like a nameless, faceless guy who calls himself a comedy magician, you're going to see the same eight tricks. Mm -hmm. And that kills me. It's like, I don't know why you would want to do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't understand it. Again, those guys are really good at being those guys. They do the hell out of it. But <laughs> like, I just don't want to be that. Well, I feel like there's a difference between... Uh, I think I think you and I are putting different weight on the word comedy and comedy magic than those people. Those people Probably. are like, oh, there are jokes. Yeah. Whereas we're like, oh, these are bits. Yeah, these, yeah. Like, like we understand well the difference written, between a bit and a joke. Yeah, my whole life is a bit. You're discussed that apparently. 
every photo and everything I've ever done. It's just it's this just one torn. grand bit. Like if you go on my Facebook and Instagram, you'll understand why we say that. You, is that it's just fake. The <laughs> lifetime legacy is a one, one bit. large bit. <laughs> one large bit. Like, but but what I mean is that you know we we're attaching when we say comedy magic. Yeah. We're talking about like guffaw-inducing, real guffaw-inducing stand-up comedy inspired. Exactly. Yeah. Or oh, it is genuine stand-up comedy. You exactly. could take the magic out of probably seventy percent of what I do, and mm-hmm. it would still be like, oh, that was a joke, beginning to end, people connected, whatever. Yeah. Like, and I think that er- I don't like like, oh, this is the worst. I think everything is always half done. I don't like anything that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. It's I'm so not content with the material that I have right now. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't I don't think anybody who's really trying ever is, but it's the worst, most uncomfortable feeling ever <laughs> uh, to be like oh I have a show but not really because I hate it like there's that but um, so yeah no it's 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 totally two different things in that there's funny people who are doing magic that are genuinely funny comedy based comedy mindset people and then there are you know people doing lines that people they read out doing of a book. lines that they read out of a Robert Orban Patter book you know the, do you understand that awful reference no, I Robert don't. Orban Patter books uh, they can be funny there is a line of books for magicians and ventriloquists and jugglers by Robert Orban that are just like it's just pages of jokes and lines and like most of them are just so outdated that they're amazing that's are they like, just like dad jokes they're like dad jokes, but okay, so there's here's an example. There's one where it's like it's listed out as like a skit. So right, <laughs> so it's like you've got your ventriloquism dummy and you're dressed like a doctor, a military doctor. And then you go, uh, the dummy looks up, wakes up and looks at you and he goes, Oh, who are you? And you go, I'm the naval doctor. And then the dummy goes like, Oh, well boy, don't they get oddly specific these days or whatever. <laughs> like it's just stupid, stupid, stupid stuff. And honestly, I love that so much. That's actually my favorite one that I can think of. Uh, <laughs> so good. Um, but no, and you can, you can actually look through old pattern books like that and get really good, uh, joke structure like you yeah. can get good joke structure put into your brain by reading stuff like that and going why was this funny ever <laughs> and a lot of it you can go oh okay well this you know it's probably because this was you know yeah. you, you here's learned... the setup here's the expectation yeah. here's I, the subversion of that I honestly think that that's a better way to learn joke structure and formula than reading a book on joke structure and formula I can't I've never ever not once found a book on comedy writing that I really genuinely liked. Mm-hmm. I'll take that back. Mike Bent wrote a really good book on comedy writing. Um, and that's because it really doesn't, it's not like the other books that I've read in that a lot of the books that you'll buy say do this and this and this and then this is funny. And that bugged me and it just makes me feel uncomfortable because I never want to sit down with a blank piece of paper and go, well if I take this thing that I want to make funny and I say this and this before it and I like I never wanted a set formula you understand Mm -hmm. what can make something funny or the cadence at which you say something could make something funny like there's lines in my show that are not funny Mm -hmm. but you say them a certain like pace now it's a joke like or or they fit in a certain spot that only you understand why that's funny Mm -hmm. but there's no formula like I don't I don't like formula if that makes sense sure I don't, of like, course. I don't like rote like do this and this and this and then this well way. because then it's inauthentic right yeah yeah I want it to just flow mm-hmm. I don't want to sit down and go I need to make this funny let's put 
squibbly do in front of it and then it'll be funny like i want things to just flow naturally and yeah. feel like i'm actually doing something mm-hmm. but biff <laughs> you know you never know so what else do you want to know about <laughs> i feel like we didn't finish that point i don't remember what the question was then. i don't either all i know <laughs> is that it was like why why do you think you're so fucking funny nick that was basically what i heard no um what makes you think you're available to talk about this? <laughs> yeah i don't that's the best thing it is I really well, genuinely that's, don't that's the thing that it always comes back to is like you know, you're never satisfied with your material. You don't think you're good enough to be in Anything. the space that you're doing. I have constant, constant, all day, all night imposter syndrome. Like, yeah. I don't, you feel like a phony. I feel like I'm faking it, and I don't know why. <laughs> and it makes me so uncomfortable, because, like, I, you'll get hired for something, and then you'll go, like, oh, what? Why? <laughs> like, Why? I'm not funny. I don't know. I don't like this line, and this is these tricks are dumb. Like, and then I put spoons in cups. And apparently, people <laughs> clap at the end. Maybe, you know, it, it constantly feeling like you're not the guy. And why are people saying things about you? And like, ugh, yeah, so icky. It it is a weird ickiness, and worst. I totally, mm-hmm. I totally am in the same spot. It's the with worst, you on that. best thing ever. <laughs> it is, and it's it's hard to reconcile. It's hard to. Uh, balance out yeah. feeling good enough and then also feeling like this is all wrong <laughs> totally yeah well i think everybody who's who in the end is able to deliver a product that is good most of them don't think they are if that makes sense like most most of the guys that i've talked to where i'm like oh they are killing it mm-hmm. when you talk to them they're like yeah but this part and this part and i don't like this and i'm really working on this and it's really half done and this is kind of a new thing or whatever and they've been doing it for six years yeah and you're like oh he gets it within like 10 minutes of talking to somebody usually even less than that i can go like oh he actually does it or oh he's owned 40 losander tables and does <laughs> colleges or whatever and again nothing against college guys there are guys in the college market that do really killer genuine stuff like yeah. Derek Hughes is a is a phenomenal legend. performer yeah. and I love him uh, and then there are guys who will remain nameless there's like 40 of them so I couldn't name them all I okay so I went to my first college uh, booking seminar thing mm-hmm. not too long ago and what is that? So it's just basically it's like a, I won't name the association. Okay. But it's like the it's the big thing where all the campuses book their events for. It's the like year. a trade show for. It's a trade colleges. show where all these college kids who are like the theater kids who want to be on a board go and watch acts and meet acts in person and get you know little promo things. Okay. And then they get booked for things. And sure. I was there with an agent, great killer agency. I'm very excited about being there met so many cool people mm-hmm. learned a lot yeah and also was just totally like heartbroken <laughs> because the guys who are there who are okay so there are probably three to five guys in the college market that are like killer doing genuine stuff talking about themselves just killing it doing mm-hmm. great they could work anywhere then there are guys who are doing like the 2008 version of another guy's show (laughs) with the exact same tricks and they're like 50 years old and wearing a leather jacket and trying to connect with college kids and it's just devastating it's like you could go i could literally go from the aisle i was in 
down all the other aisles and in the in like most of those aisles I could probably find you one guy who's doing a show with at least 60% of the same material as these other guys and go all over this conference and a lot of the time those guys are making money and it's mm-hmm. like why am I working so hard? <laughs> well, that's it's you know? important to talk about this because, you know, magic is such a small art. Totally, you know, yeah. It, there's, there's oh, not... every one of those guys I just talked about without mentioning them will hate me now <laughs> because they'll listen to your podcast. No. No, magic is super small and... Um, and... For it's me, a, like that's why these guys are working. Yeah. It's because nobody knows better. Yeah. And like magicians think that like... If you're a big deal in magic, that's like a big deal. Yeah. But if you look at it, you're like, oh, I'm a big deal in one one millionth of the population, <laughs> and no one else knows who I like. Oh, I taped, I made a flap card do with scotch tape real good, and now all the magicians know who I am. And it's like, well, don't get a big fucking head. Like, egos are the biggest <laughs> thing for me. I hate them so much. It's like, know what you really are doing. That's what we just laughed about at Magic Live so oh, much. Oh, yeah. Was just like there are seeing... a lot of flap do people there. It's <laughs> just a lot of, there's a lot of, it's a lack of self awareness. Yeah. It's like, you, no, know, absolutely. you know who I am, but I'm yeah. going to treat you like a fellow person yeah. because we're, we're just two guys. <laughs> in the worst there city in the world. So many, yeah. Oh, Vegas is fine. Luckily, I live in Henderson, so I'm in like I'm like a block from a Mesa Recreation Park, and I love it because I'm not near this. Uh, but like, Fremont's wonderful, of course. Just in case Fremont's gonna book me for I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to piss them off. I don't know. They don't book anything. Uh, but the whole thing is like. Um, you're doing a you're doing a show on Fremont later this tonight, right? We're gonna go yeah, see I was gonna just show. do a naked song and dance bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I no, uh, never, not once. Uh, the, I, I did street performing out here one time. Did you have you done busking? I have out here one time. Uh, <laughs> it was the worst. Te- Why? Probably technically twice. Because um, I don't. Okay, so you've. You've seen what I do on stage. I've never seen you do anything. Oh, literally. I've literally never seen you do a single thing. Oh, that's crazy. You showed me that one ace cutting trick. Oh, wow. You haven't seen. Okay, so you've seen seen me do anything. I've seen you do that. Gambling based ace cutting routine. (laughs) And I've seen you catch spoons. Oh, shit. Wow. Okay, good. Because this is great. So, yeah, no, this is perfect, though, because it it opens it up so much more. Okay, so so when I'm on stage, what I do is super dry and deadpan. Yeah. Okay. Quick note on that that mm-hmm. I've never talked about that I think is super, super interesting. Yeah. When I got into stand-up stuff, I did that set for, like, the high school thing and started doing shows and doing little variety shows and doing little things, like, whatever, you know, high school's mother cl- mother's club, whatever. <laughs> you know, like, my mom wasn't part of it, but they saw me in this thing and were like, oh, you're... You're my son's you friend, tell right? this boy. Yeah, oh, you don't hate my son, right? I did, but... Uh, so, the whole thing, <laughs> so, you know, you get booked for this this dumb little stuff, and then... Uh, I which got is booked, important. Which is so important. Getting booked for dumb Please shit is important. Please do everything. Yeah. Like, do every show possible. I was, up until I moved out here, was still grinding it out to get stage time. Yeah. And I still do. Like, it kills me the guys who are like yeah i got a show this month (laughs) like what are you talking you got like this stuff can't be just created and thrown on stage you need to do it a hundred million 
freaking times in front of people. Well, and it's so hard. We're going to get back to, yeah, to absolutely. dry humor, but right. it's so hard because like, magicians don't have a place yeah. like an open mic. Right. Especially close-up guys don't have yeah, a place absolutely. like an open guy to, to go and be bad. Yeah. Well, the the best open mic for close-up guys is, like, the mall or the bank. For real. Like, this is a thing Tyler and I talked about, because he's got students that he... Uh, I don't know how many he probably has that he works with now, but he's, he does a lot of consulting stuff. He's done big TV stuff in, like, Belgium, and then he's really smart, director-minded guy that can help magicians do magic. Yeah. It's great. It's awesome. And so he's got, uh, you know, a few different, like, levels of... of where these people are at uh, mm-hmm. magic wise so he had some guys in kind of the like newer class newer to him a couple months in the class learning uh, card stuff and coin stuff and, and it's all good, really good stuff and the guys were like oh I am afraid of performing in front of people mm-hmm. and I was like oh the, uh, what like is this, this is an art form where the the only thing we can do is do it for people mm-hmm. you know and like i i'm very socially awkward and nervous and stuff but the to have like this total wall in front of you where you don't want to do magic tricks for people was really interesting to me and i i thought it was very cool i thought it was amazing that the guy was like super super into magic mm-hmm. you know but didn't want to fully do it in front of people and i respect the hell out of it i yeah. think it's I think it's awesome. Like if he's just doing it for himself, that's super super neat. Um, but he, uh, the big a big thing for him was just going out and just doing stuff. Tyler be like, do one thing. Like go out and do one thing. Go to the bank. You know how bored those people are. They sit at the bank and like every once in a while they put a nickel in your grandma's account and then the rest of the day they're just there. Like do a trick for the lady at the bank. Do a thing for a person sitting on a bench in the mall. Do do stuff all the time. That's mm. the only way you get good is through repetition and, and doing this stuff and thinking about it. And that was huge for me with stand-up. Mm-hmm. It was that I was able to get into some stand-up open mics and stuff, but yeah. not all the time. Like mm-hmm. that the I'm from Minnesota. Minnesota has a killer stand-up comedy community. But I was also like twelve, so yeah. like I can't go into a lot of these clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, a way that I got in, I got a lot of stage time was burlesque shows. Sounds weird, uh, but I was getting snuck into bars and gay clubs and venues and theaters and stuff to do burlesque shows. And by the end, I was hosting a lot of burlesque shows. But man, was that good experience because some of the audiences were really tough and quiet yeah. and awful and some were great. And sometimes the stage was not a stage. Sometimes it was just like a floodlight in a bar, <laughs> you know, but that's how you get good. Yeah, That's the only way. And I still want that. And that's why I'm so happy to have a job where I'm working five nights a week is because I need that mm-hmm. mentally to like feel like I'm doing something. Yeah. Feel like I'm actually developing because... Mm-hmm. If you just sit around writing stuff all the time in a you know crazy person legal pad, it really doesn't do much. <laughs> so you know, I doing stuff a million times the only way I've been able to <laughs> do stuff to do stuff to yeah. do stuff at a functioning level. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let's get back to dry humor. Right. So dry, uh, dry humor. So I was doing you know these little shows, mm-hmm. and I was just blindly doing them. So it was like just my personality on stage. You know, blah 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 pretty much how I was off stage maybe it's a little more put on um, but 
I did a I got booked for a magic convention. So so I uh, somebody saw a video or some crap of the spoons. No, I got my oh god, they're like oh get him, he does the spoons trick. God, I love the spoons so much because it's like when people talk about it, I always laugh because it's so dumb. Like, but it people have now been like, oh, is that like that's like your thing? Is that you do this spoons thing? And I'm like, I hope not. You know, I hope like you liked me, and I also did the spoon, but. But uh, I got booked to do a magic convention, uh, pre-spoons, and <laughs> that's a whole era we don't talk about anymore is the pre-spoons era. It's a hard time for me to talk about. Uh, <laughs> Thank you so much for opening up Anytime. To us and the listeners. Yeah, but if you bring up pre-spoons again, I will leave. <laughs> uh, but no, I got booked to do a magic convention, and afterwards I had some magicians that I were coming up to me going like, oh, wow, that was really funny. Like, And your deadpan dry delivery... And I was going, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I I was being super overly dry and super deadpan, and my looks were very stone face. Mm-hmm. Like I have very a very severe case of resting scared face. <laughs> um, and so when I <laughs> and so. So I did this convention, and they were like, oh, this kid gets it, and he's, like, putting it on and doing this. And I was like, I have no fucking clue what you're talking about, which was great. I mean, it was yeah. this thing where it was like, I, they said that, and then I was like, oh, what? And and then I'm able to go back and, and specifically, yeah, mm-hmm. and then you can hammer away at just those things, you know, and, and it, it's so good oh a crazy thing that i was sitting with ryan and amber and talking about this whole the whole self-awareness thing and knowing what you look and and sound and talk like and and how i was really lucky because i had a group of like three guys three magicians in minnesota that i hung out with all the time and those guys are they kick ass we we say some of the worst shit to each other yeah, yeah. but it's it's very jokey and lovey and and that's those are the friends that I always seek out I always find people like that that I can just be horrible with yes and so yeah. those guys like sat me down in a Perkins one night <laughs> and for a show and they were just ripped me a new asshole like I was almost in tears about my material and everything and how I looked and all these pokey jokes about like you look like Rachel Maddow and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And it was so fucking useful. I needed that. Like, yeah. I took that and immediately wrote all of it in and threw it on stage, and it changed me. Like, you need people like that in your life. Or, talking to Ryan and Amber, there's a thing on Reddit right now Yeah. where you post a picture of yourself, and it's like, a, you know, whatever, Reddit slash roast me. Yeah. Oh my Did, have god! You done it? I'm doing it this week. We're trying. I'm trying to think of what picture I should do. I'm so excited. Post about the it. picture with you in the underpants that you just posted. Oh, on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my whole life is a bit. Uh, <laughs> back to that again. Uh, so no. So, uh, but yeah, like that's a tool. Yeah. But I think people are like, oh, that's me. I don't know if I can handle it. It's like, no, that you need that. Like, if you want to be doing comedy magic or magic word like you or whatever art form once you've had someone that you love say the meanest shit to your face yeah an audience is never gonna hurt your feelings oh absolutely i've never been hurt by anything after a show (laughs) uh there was actually there was a guy last week who came up after the show and he said uh hey you were way better than the last time i saw you You were way funnier and i was like 
deeply hurt. I was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And I thought about it, and I think he just he had seen me do two shows and was like, oh, this one better. Like, didn't even think it was not trying to offend me, and I wasn't offended because I don't get offended because I say some awful stuff. Uh, but I was like... <laughs> so thrown off by that comment that yeah. I was like, what have I done wrong? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's great. But I, I should post, you know what, actually the underwear picture would probably be funny because people would not only dig on the underwear part, they would dig on every other little, like... That's a full body stuff. shot. It is a full body <laughs> shot. It's got, you know, beat to shit bands and like everything in my dumb face. Uh, but the whole and your thing, brand new haircut, brand new. No, it doesn't actually. No, it, doesn't. it was pre haircut. The haircut was this morning, and I feel awful. About it. <laughs> Go in and ask for a three on the sides and back, and she's like, "Oh, let me show you what your scalp looks like. <laughs> let me cut it back, military school short." So why'd weird. you get kicked out of military school? Grades. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was a college preparatory school. Um, it was an all male military school. So total square peg, round hole situation with like the kid who wants to be an artist guy. Like, ooh, I just want to write deep things, you know, and put them on stage and be vulnerable. Uh, but why is that? Why? Uh, why was why it square wanna, peg and round hole? Or no, why do I want? Why do you want to? Why do you want to get on stage and be vulnerable? I don't know. It's an awful feeling that's really fun. <laughs> I've never... I don't know. That's a good question. Shit. Uh, I, get, it, I think it comes back to the making people happy thing. Uh-huh. So, like, I love laughing with people and making people happy. Cause, like, Why does that feel good? Because uh, I know what it's like to be sad. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, think, I think that's a big thing. Yeah. Is, like, once people know, like, what how awful and terrible life can be and how you can feel really beaten down like oh i got kicked out of military school now i'm a failure yeah you just want to like push through and be like oh just kidding everything's fine laugh keep laughing keep laughing. like and it's yeah. crazy to have that feeling in a room full of people mm-hmm. and so i don't know i don't know why i do this i like magic tricks <laughs> <laughs> that would be the blow-off answer is i like magic a lot next question <laughs> Thank you. We're done here. Yeah, thank you. We are done here. Well, this was a lot better than the last time I saw you, Nick. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Ooh. You caught me on a good day. I sure did. Yeah, nope. Um, <laughs> so funny. Um, but, uh, well, so, okay, so you got kicked out of, of military school. For grades. So, For basically, grades. like, I was doing shows on weeknights and wanting to work on material and mm. getting... Yeah, uh, it was a religious school, and I'm not. Mm-hmm. I just never. My parents weren't. I'm not. Nothing against people who are, um, but I was getting yelled at and treated like shit because of that. Mm-hmm. Like so, you know, I would get an F in religion, uh, which was weird to me. Uh, to that, <laughs> that that's even possible, <laughs> and so. You know, and then the guy would just, he, the guy was mean, and there were a lot of mean teachers that didn't like that yeah. side of things. Like, like, they would bring something up, and then I would question it, and then they would be like, no, wrong, you failed the test. And so, but then, also, it was a matter of, like, through that and getting bullied, uh, probably because I was, you know, not playing hockey. <laughs> like, that's a big, that was basically, like, oh, he doesn't play hockey or football and looks like a pale, limp little 12-year-old kid little. or whatever. Little. Yeah, uh, it was a whole. It was a whole thing. So basically, I stopped giving a shit. Yeah, that was the big yeah, thing is that you, I just stopped. Yeah. I just had this moment of like, oh, 
I just, I don't care anymore. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you so, disassociated for real. Yeah, yeah, it was a weird time uh, where I just like like I was I did well on standardized testing and I always did well on like you know the important testy stuff and yeah. then like I just totally like failed everything because <laughs> I, I was done yeah i don't know it was awful very shitty time but like through it i mean so okay so i got kicked out of military school like a week later i bought a plane ticket out here mm-hmm. and ended up doing shows and working on material with people and got like refreshed and felt like i was doing something of value and that was huge for me yeah and then go back to minnesota and be sad and then do that thing there. <laughs> but well it's but minnesota, back and forth. So. it is minnesota <laughs> woof right uh <laughs> no I, I, I no issues with minnesota it's just cold and i hate that yeah and then I lost a bunch of weight in the last two years, and so like I might get I get cold now. Like my hands <laughs> I need are my cold. Afghan. Yeah, really. <laughs> Where's my sweater vest? Well, how did you meet the Canadians? How did I meet the Canadians? I'm now Canadians. doing a show with them in and Las living Vegas. under their staircase, <laughs> <laughs> like Harry Potter. Yeah, basically. Oh. Um, no, we met through Bizarro. Mm-hmm. We love Bizarro, and we met through Bizarro one night. They were working Beecher's Madhouse at the MGM like a year and a half ago, and they lived. They lived in the MGM for like ten months. I'm sure you'll get into that. Sure. When you talk to them next tomorrow, uh, <laughs> and so. And, um, I ended up meeting through them, and then we just connected over stuff, and uh, it just developed, and now Amber manages me, and I write really well with Ryan. Like, mm-hmm. I've only found a handful of people in the world that, like, click in the same weird, like, we want the same things and want the same the level of material, and so when, when like... Uh wow okay so I was almost gonna say you know the handcuff thing I do that I did the, no you haven't seen it <laughs> I haven't yet, seen it I do a handcuff thing you know the trick seven keys to bald pate no okay so there's a <laughs> trick in magic uh, where you have a lock and a bunch of keys and one of the keys opens up the lock and the other ones don't and they get mixed up and then the person picks a key and then holy balls it opens <laughs> the lock and the other ones still don't uh I thought it was a stupid trick yeah and I love taking things that are stupid and putting them in my show and so, <laughs> but taking them and turning them into something that I think is a genuinely impressive performance piece so yeah. like I do milk pitcher in my show we can get uh. into that in a minute <laughs> um, but I, I put this okay so we said okay seven keys ball pays dumb what if you did it with handcuffs that'd be funny wouldn't it what if Nick handcuffed himself to an old lady during a show <laughs> She picked one key, the she tests the handcuffs first, right? So I asked her about how experienced she is with handcuffs. Joke, 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 whatever. She checks four handcuff keys. They do not open up the handcuffs. I give her a key. That key opens up the handcuffs. She puts all of them in a wine glass and mixes them up. And then I end up handcuffing myself to her. And then she picks a key out. And then I attempt to swallow the other four <laughs> keys uh, and can't. That's the whole bit is that I apparently can't swallow keys. Um, I end up wrapping a key in a craft single and like trying to, <laughs> and then, ta-da! The end of the trick is that she picked the right key. Um, but I, I loved taking something like Seven Keys to Baldpate, which you read in books, and you go like, why would anybody sit through that? Like, 
if you saw that in the way it's written in a book where I have a lock and now we're going to play this awful game <laughs> where you pick one, like, you should leave because yeah. your time is being wasted. This is Russian roulette without any tension. This is Russian roulette without anything. <laughs> not even ten, not not tension, not feeling, not blood pressure, nothing. <laughs> not even, like, air. It's the worst. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, it's funny if you handcuff yourself to a lady. And so we, we, we wrote that in a night. Like, we sat on the porch, and we're just like, and you can't swallow the key. And then you just spit the keys out, and then you hide the keys, because then and then she thinks they're actually gone, and then you pull out a craft single, and you wrap the key in the craft single. Like, yeah. So it turned into this whole thing where I have a craft single in my suit for, like, 30 minutes, and then pull it out and have to eat a piece. Like... And then I flick it in the audience, and it turned. It was. It's weird. Yeah. Um, I was doing it in the Hooters show for the first week, but I discovered that like, it's it's a lot to just throw at an audience. Like I was doing this trick later in shows. Yeah. Successfully, good trick, great response. The woman liked it. Whatever. Yeah. Then I put it in the show as the opening, not opening with it because that would be dumb. But like opening lines, rope trick thing. And then this handcuff thing, which is like kind of intense. Like it's it's jokes that a lot of I'm not like, and this is not because I'm good. It's because I'm lucky. Like I don't think a lot of people could get away with what I'm doing. Like yeah. I'm yanking an old lady around by handcuffs <laughs> and making her like I do. There's oh, there's a lot in that routine, and it's yeah. too much, too fast. Like for real, you to do to, in an opening segment. You can't just jump. You know. Feet head <laughs> can't just jump feet first into it. You can't you can't just dive head first into it because like you can't just tiptoe in the water. With, uh, you can't dive head first into it because it's just too fucking much and they don't trust you or understand you yet. And it's like you know it's this you gotta gain like a thing first with the audience yeah. and, and and make them calm down and know that you're not gonna treat audience members like crap and yeah. and all this other stuff and. It was too much. I wasn't feeling it. It was very weird for the first few days. And so we're like, let's do the other things where Nick isn't as mean. Like where he pulls a hearing aid off a guy and, and hits on a girl. Like that's... Ugh. It doesn't sound good when you say it like that, but I guess a lot of my stuff is... It doesn't sound good. A lot of my stuff sounds like I'm abusing people. Uh, and I am. But a lot of my stuff sounds strange when you when you just talk about it. Yeah. And when you see it, it's still not, like, not, you know, like, oh, he did Hibbity Hop Rabbits. It's like, oh, he just took a guy's bill, ripped it up, pulled his hearing aid off, made fun of him, and then, like, gave a girl his phone number on a 30-foot banner. Like, that's that's what it sounds like when you put it in the words. I'm so, I can't wait to see it Thursday right. night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, then I won't ruin any of that. But, like, <laughs> it's... It's, um, it's, yeah, man. And it's just the stuff that, like, it wasn't like I went into it going, I'm going to open my whole show with a rolled up scroll of fancy paper tied with a red ribbon. And I ask a girl where she's from, and I say, nobody from the theater has ever met you, has talked to you before the show, no information has been given to anybody. Uh, we've never met before. You didn't write anything down. No, 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 no. This big mentalism buildup. Yeah. And then I say, in a loud, clear voice, yes or no is your phone number. And then I scroll out this huge, huge banner, this massive piece of paper that cost me, like, money. <laughs> 
And I scroll, is your phone number? 651-274-7889. Oh, God, that was my real phone number. Uh, so it's like, whatever, scroll the thing out. And she says, no. And then the audience gets real awkward and laughs because I've been, like, doing the thing. And yeah. then I crumple this 30-foot, when I'm on a real stage, 30-foot banner thing of huge paper up into this, like, three-foot ball. And I put it on her lap in the front row and I go that's because it's mine and then and now the audience just has to like sit with that and they don't really they laugh and it's very it's a very funny moment but like like what the fuck am I doing now I, okay so basically we've realized through this podcast that I don't do magic anymore and I, yeah and so you've become a young amazing Jonathan yeah <sighs> That's he's very good, and I just catch spoons and cups. Uh, well, okay, that's true. I, don't, I didn't mean to put you on that pedestal. I just yeah, yeah. Meant, like let's just say Nick catches spoons and cups. Yeah, okay, you just don't do magic. No, I do. Ma- I do. I do a I'm lot. Just of, oh I'm god. not. Let's, oh my god! I'm gonna so fight you. <laughs> I'm gonna fight you. You're so sensitive. I work too hard to do this. No, I do a lot of. There's a lot of magic in the show, but I even think for my own sanity, I couldn't do. Here's a trick. Here's a trick. Here's a trick. 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 Like yeah. gags have saved me. <laughs> gags are the best. Yeah. Like I found an old gag. Um, like one of my favorite things is this stupid pear gag. Like I love this more than anything. Jerry Johnson was a magician from Minnesota that I met uh, fairly close to when he passed away. I only knew him for maybe a year. Saw him perform a lot though. He was very very funny. And he um, did this gag where he had a sock. He goes, I have a single, this single men's sock, and I will change it into a pair. Right? So everybody's thinking pair of socks. And he tucks it in his fist and has a pair. And I was like, that is the dumbest thing slash best thing I've (laughs) ever seen in my life. And I and I wanted that gag, and it turns out he published it in his lecture notes, and was like, "Here, magicians, here's this thing you can do. So if you find Jerry Johnson's Focus on Hocus Pocus, you can probably do that gag. I would recommend against it because I don't think it fits a lot of people, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> so I've wanted that gag, and I have other lines that I added to it and other shit. Um, and I ended up when Jerry passed away, they had a sale of all this stuff, and I ended up with his actual rubber pair, <laughs> and I and I, I still do the gag uh, with his pair, and it's just it very much fits what I'm doing <laughs> as like this super dry, just awful thing that I do. And, but it but it was this gag that it was just like perfect, like I could take it as is and plop it in, mm-hmm. and it was perfect. That's the only thing that I can think of that is somebody else's directly that I do, and it's great. <laughs> Thank you, Jerry, for that <laughs> wonderful piece of writing. <laughs> what an easy pun. <laughs> but, yeah, I love stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, what do you do? What do I do? Yeah. What do you mean? What's life? the? What are you allowed to talk about? Oh, so you want to talk about the gambling stuff? Yeah. Uh, okay, so... Um, so Nick is a professional con artist, and uh, <laughs> right. he cheats at every casino in Vegas in his downtime. Right. That's why he's 20. It's because <laughs> of that. No, I got... So uh, the other side, like business-wise, of what I do is make... Uh, the So, okay. 
backstory. Yeah. In, super interesting backstory. So I met Tyler, which mm-hmm. we already touched on in this wonderful podcast, mm-hmm. where everything's going to go beginning to end full circle. It's just, we'll just call it Tyler. That's right. <laughs> but so I met Tyler. Uh, Tyler kind of like tested the waters with me for years. Like, like. What do you mean? Uh, so he would teach me card moves and he would teach me some gambling stuff. Yeah. And then I would like learn whatever little double drop thing or, or whatever brush move thing he wanted to show me. Or a second deal, push off second deal is a big thing that he taught me uh, that I still like just love practicing and stuff. Uh, but he. Uh, kind of was I don't I don't know how to put it. He explained it to me. I don't understand it, but he was kind of like <laughs> testing the waters yeah. for like what I could handle that yeah. stuff wise. Like if I was interested in it, if I liked it, because um, his teacher was uh, Terry Roses, and Terry Roses is a guy from Duluth, Minnesota, who's easily one of the smartest people I've ever met ever in my life ever. <laughs> He's a genius. Like, mm-hmm. I've never met anybody who knows as much shit as Terry. For real. Yeah. Which is crazy to me that I can, like, say that about a human being. Um, so Terry, for years and years and years, developed and sold magic stuff. and get, But it was gambling-based stuff under the name Dr. X. So, like, if you ever saw any of the Steve, old Stevens catalogs... World Magic Seminar stuff like Doctor X was a really big thing in the in the nineties, early two thousand, and put out gaffed dealing shoes and, and stuff like that. And Terry knew a lot of real like guys in mm-hmm. gambling and, and learned a hell of a lot of stuff about real cheating techniques from like guys. Like he was friends with a lot of real people. <laughs> and and it, no, it's amazing. Yeah. Like I mean it's it's hilarious, but also amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um so you would learn techniques from them and trade stuff with people and, and just collected this amazing body of work. Like this dude has just he's has a literal lab. Like so I Tyler goes, Oh, do you do you, um I so I had met Terry a couple times at like um every November they do like an overnight thing at the magic shop at the local magic shop all the guys from up north come down mm-hmm. and buy magic stuff and hang out and jam and, and Terry was there so I, I had heard about Terry as Tyler's teacher and I was super intimidated mm-hmm. met him fooled the shit out of me with a whole bunch of card stuff and he was like had a deck of cards that he had on the main floor and he would go up into the balcony thing like the 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 go up a huge staircase across the store Mm -hmm. up to the second level and he put on a clear pair of glasses and he could tell you what every single card was as you dealt it off for real you could shuffle the deck the deck was like he just created this system Mm -hmm. that was unbelievable to me like i had no clue what he was doing half the time like it was just so crazy like some of the things you go okay well he's really good at that move Mm -hmm. and then some of the things you go okay like i'm fooled on another level yeah so I met Terry through that, through the overnight thing, and then I, you know, next year see him again. Same thing, unbelievable stuff. Tips some more stuff to me, you know. You learn little moves and stuff, and then at like a, a couple years ago, probably now it's probably two years ago. Tyler goes, "Hey, do you want to go up and visit Terry?" And I was like, "Oh, holy, holy crap! Uh, yeah, let's go up." So so he talked to Terry. We went up and stayed overnight, a couple nights, and just hung out at this lab that he has he has a lab in yeah. a in a crazy warehouse that like you know you need a code to use the bathroom that's not a joke like wow. <laughs> super super high tech place um 
he's created one side is like a lab lab like lab equipment lens coating equipment computers what does he do this okay so for years he owned a rock store like a rock and mineral store called fragments of history and Uh he guy's so amazing uh he he ran a like a rock and mineral store Uh and a a collectible like paper americana stuff he sold Mm -hmm. everything he bought and sold gold for a while and i mean he's the dude has done everything he's also also a licensed like hot air balloon pilot (laughs) real thing he's done so much escapes he used to do escapes he collected houdini stuff for years like the guy is amazing okay amazing yeah for real like (laughs) Next level, shocked he's not famous. Shocked. Like, he's got so many good ideas. Um, but he was under the name of Dr. X for forever, and that was, like, a real thing. Nobody knew it was him. So, like, I yeah. even still talk to people at conventions, and they don't know who Dr. X was. Like, they bought some of the stuff, and they, they just genuinely don't know who Terry was. And so we started going up there, and he started kind of teaching me stuff and kind of testing. Terry started kind of testing the waters with me, too, and being like, oh, here's how you make... Like this block outwork mark deck or whatever. Mm-hmm. Here's how you make this little shiner thing. And so over the course of two years, we became really close friends. And I was going up there constantly on my own. I mean, it was like a, a I was I didn't have a car or a license, so I was taking like a an airport <laughs> shuttle back and forth with all this crap, all this like gambling equipment stuff. And for, you know, for a long time when I was living in Minnesota, and I really hoped to be able to go back and forth and do it again, but now I've been stupidly busy. I feel bad I haven't been there in a few months. Um, he just taught me, like, everything. Like, I, he opened the floodgates and said, here's the deal. Uh, we're not all here for forever, so somebody should probably know how to make this stuff and how to do this stuff. And so... I started learning about inks and science and, like, stuff I never thought I would learn ever. I've learned more about science-based stuff from him than I ever did in school. For real. And it was because he was applying it to something that I gave a damn about, Mm -hmm. which I'm, like, super thankful for. And now I know, like, how to use certain kinds of lab equipment and coat lenses and print mark cards and, and... I know how to do camera stuff and, like, all this stupid stuff that I don't deserve and, like, <laughs> I'm just so enamored with. Like, yeah. it's, it's amazing. And I've, I've been able to amass this very, very cool... I love vintage cheating equipment. So, yeah, through Terry, like, he would find a thing and then, you know, buy it for cheap from a guy and then sell it to me for the same. Like, he was so nice to me and I was able to amass this, like, cheating equipment collection of... Pretty much everything I've ever wanted, cheating equipment-wise, like, just stupid. He's been so nice to me, and it's been amazing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I love that kind of stuff. And we, we work together on um, consulting stuff, too. So we talk to casinos about high-tech marked card technology that, you know, to either that um, is stuff that Terry has created mm-hmm. and that, you know, he sold to magicians and got out, kind of. like So, like a like a... Uh, somebody would buy a Stevens magazine and see this crazy technology and then apply it to cheating or, you know, whatever. Yeah. They, it ends up getting out. And so, so, so he's creating his own market. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. He's going into a, going into an antique store, breaking things and saying, you can pay me to stop. No, <laughs> it's, it's not like that. The thing is like, it's, it's stuff where if, um, if he can create it, the thing he always says is like, if he can create it, somebody else can. Of course. He's just yeah. a human being. So like, if 
this crazy fluorescent marked card system got out, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that like you know came from what he created and sold to magicians or sold to whoever. It just means it's out there and this technology exists and to him casinos should know about it. So yeah. we started doing talks like we both spoke at uh, one year. The first year uh, we went to World Game Protection and he spoke and then I was just there as like the odd kid that nobody knew why he was there. Um, <laughs> and then the next year it was like a a thing where um, they actually asked me to speak, which is crazy to me that they wanted to have a 20-year-old speak on high-tech mark card, like no mark mark systems that were things that they had never seen anything like it before because Terry just kept this stuff really tight mm-hmm. and like just amazing to me. So so worked really well together with that and, and continued to do some of it. I've just been kind of an asshole and been really busy recently, but I'd like, I want to get back into it. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a really nice um, thing. It was cool working with him. Still yeah. want to work with him. Love working with him. Great guy. Do you need to... No. No. I got a Facebook message of photos, and I was supposed to dump his... I'm going to throw my phone over there now. I'm the worst. <laughs> but yeah, so... That's that's basically the gambling thing. Any other questions about the gambling thing? <laughs> I mean, so... I, I don't uh, know what I'm allowed to ask. No, there's nothing secret. Like, just ask stuff. <laughs> <laughs> there's so basically... Uh, God, now I'm coughing. I'm not signaling you to stop asking questions. I'm just coughing. Um, um, no, so we, um, Terry gave me the full rights to, to also reproduce all the Dr. X stuff. So I've, um, I think there were like 42 products in the thing that Steven sold, which is insane to me that this dude created like 42 <laughs> separate products. And I mean, the, the Dr. X, the Ray Vision system was the big thing, and that was a thing that sold insanely well for him back in the in the early 2000s and then there's like little magic tricks and he did brass stuff and and gaffed dealing shoes and all these other things and i i was like oh it'd be cool to have one of you know these things like i would look in these catalogs with him and be sitting down and then be like oh boy i'd love to have whatever this brass punch or whatever and he'd be like oh well we'll just make some and then you can sell them if you want and just give me whatever like just i mean he was so stupidly generous and nice to me and so i've been able to reproduce a probably like 10 or 12 different things that were in the line mm-hmm. and like you know it'd be cool to do more uh, i've just been stupidly busy i've got plans and 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 uh parts and schematics and things for like almost every other thing you know i know what all of them are for the most part i've got them listed out he gave me all of his records too Mm -hmm. so i've got these binders at home where it's like i've been able to go through and kind of piece together what certain things were and if i didn't know what it was usually it's because it was under a different name like a weird (laughs) they all have great names like he had the glowtron and the whatever you know the um I can't even think of some of the other stuff right now, but it, very funny names for stuff, yeah. and you know, very interesting names for stuff. Um, and uh, you kind of piece together what the main product line was, mm-hmm. and and so 
that's just like a, a side hobby project for me right now is kind of going through that and seeing what things might be able to be updated. We updated uh, the Ray Vision system. So that was the big thing that used to, it was the camera system, hardware camera system. And I was able to take this technology that was pretty big and shrink it down and put it into a cell phone. Yeah. Which was something that was like new. Yeah, and yeah. And he had never done, because he, once he was kind of done with it, it was just kind of like, oh, here's this thing that exists. And he would, he would, always be constantly working on stuff and working on new stuff but once a project was kind of done the technology would kind of stay there and as we know technology goes crazy far past you like the second you catch up to it so um, to be able to take that huge thing and put it into a cell phone was really fun for me Mm -hmm. and be able to learn about like what stupid lenses are in a cell phone (laughs) like that was it was very interesting project and so I got into working with cameras a lot and Mm -hmm. working with different inks that you know crazy crazy stuff for marking cards like uh terry's big thing is this the idea of a clear glasses system so his whole life's work was like i want to have a clear glasses system and he accomplished that in fact he has four of them which is insane to me (laughs) again the dude is like a genius he just said like i want to do this and then did it and took i mean the the amount of money and time and effort that I have seen in this lab of just like boxes of stuff, which he ended up, I mean, he's given me so much equipment and stuff. Like I've got a lot of the shelves that were in the lab I've have in my place in Minnesota now, and I'm slowly bringing it out here. It's so much stuff, um, but like going through it and just being like, oh wow, you looked at like 180 different chemicals and had to buy all of them and experiment with all of them before you find one that works like okay and to find the one that works really good you're going to need to do it even more yeah thorough like it's just amazing what he did so crazy crazy smart guy <laughs> that's amazing well what do you want to do with that stuff as far as personally or is it just a uh, side project that you're it's a it's a to... i don't know it's a me thing but it's an also like a carrying on the not like a cheesy carrying on the legacy thing but i think these are cool things that it would be cool if they stuck around Mm -hmm. and so like uh, his big thing was not it was he would always tell me it's still probably would say the exact same thing is that if this stuff isn't secret like it's not this big like you know whatever kind of ink you make to put on a card that's not the secret that's not this big like this isn't about secrets if somebody is deserving of information and they've earned it give it to them mm-hmm. but up until that point you don't really have to do that so so like you know i lived my whole life kind of like if there's somebody that should know about something i would probably give them that piece of information like there's advice that um, I've talked about this with like four or five performers in the last couple of weeks because I find this really interesting that mm-hmm. if there's a if there's a tweak or like a, a note that you have on somebody's act mm-hmm. and then you go they come up to you after the show and they're like oh what'd you think you have any, have any advice and you don't think that they're gonna take what you say and like actually be able to use it don't tell them like it's a waste of their time you're putting too much information in their head and they're probably just going to think you're wrong anyways Mm -hmm. like I had that with a I worked on a show with a performer who was younger and they were asking me genuinely good questions about comedy writing but they didn't know who they were Mm -hmm. you know which was like it's I don't know how to I, I, you can't just be like I don't know go have people be mean to you for a while like <laughs> you know they, but they were they're trying and they yeah. they really want to do this and it's like like 
I could give you advice that would probably be very helpful that helped me that is helping me right now to mm. to you in a few years. Yeah. You know, like once you know what you look like, now they looked really dumb too. No. <laughs> but like no, once they once they know what they look like and once they know who they are as like a human, yeah. then I can help. Yeah. But up until that point it's just too much shit going in their head that they're not gonna grasp and I know there is so much stuff that people told me that I am just now understanding mm-hmm. you know there were people giving me genuinely good comedy advice like three to five years ago and even things that I just you know just totally didn't grasp until like, what? like now oh I can't think of a specific <laughs> there's so many little like little tweaks and stuff and just things about show structure was a big one Uh for me so like um i don't know uh a lot of shows they will talk about a lot of performers talk about like you got to go out there and you got to hit them hard really really fast yeah and i saw um (laughs) so there's a performer named uh performer sorry genius named joel hodgson you Mm -hmm. know this is mystery science theater 3000 yeah right so joel hodgson was a really big influence on me because I once so wow we we really are going crazy full circle so once I started doing the magic conventions and stuff and hearing people say like oh you're really dry and you do this deadpan stuff I didn't get it I didn't understand it at all I was like what Uh, I'm different and so I ended up I would watch comedy specials and I watched um, Joel Hodgson on SNL or something I think it was SNL or David Letterman and I was like oh wow I'm not edgy or different or even touching you know deadpan and dry Uh, because it was basically that I saw him and he could go out there and just be very quiet and like his stuff is so great his stand up stuff is amazing and he could go out there and just really make everybody feel uncomfortable and not say a lot and be so much more dry and so much more deadpan than I ever was that the magicians that were telling me like well you should be more like Steve Martin and be more like funny and mm-hmm. you know slapsticky and slapsticky hokey yeah I love Steve Martin but, of course but there, there, that was an exact yeah. that was a real piece of advice I got is be more like Steve Martin and it's like no be you mm-hmm. you know and, and it was taking for me it was seeing guys like Joel Hodgson be able to just do whatever the fuck and mm-hmm. get a great response because it was genuinely them and like Joel Hodgson's act is amazing uh, in my head as like this this pinpoint thing where I saw it and I went oh I'm not even coming close to where you could be going, you mm-hmm. know, because because I there were people that think that thought I was too deadpan and too dry, and what I'm doing now really isn't that. Like, it's kind of how I talk normally, you know. Mm-hmm. It's very upbeat, kind of, but still very very dry and sarcastic and awful. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, it was it was taking and seeing guys like Joel Hodgson, and there's a lot of other guys who were very influential. Um, but the, but seeing that I'm not even coming close, yeah. and like people saying that I was doing a little bit risque stuff because I was pulling off a guy's hearing aid and hitting on women and doing all this stuff, and it's like, really? Have you seen like what a real like? Not I'm not gonna say a real stand-up comedian, but what a guy who does stand-up based stuff like how far they go? Yeah, Daniel Tosh is making rape jokes. Yeah, like we as a like as magicians I think we're very sheltered yeah and that freaks me out because 
this ooh, good segue. Uh, so <laughs> thank so, you. Thank thank me. And so I okay. So a lot of guys, you say, what's who who? What is your inspiration? And they name like seven magicians, mm-hmm. and that weirds me out. Because like, if that's the only thing you're plucking from, then boy, are we not. You know, you're in like this again, one like millionth of the world, <laughs> and you're only taking inspiration from that one pinpoint thing. That really bugged me. So I started looking into like the stuff I liked, like Devo and the residents and the talking heads and these crazy videos and visual art things that they were putting out. And I and I was able Nick, to find on. Yeah, I get listen, my dad is texting me good night, okay? This is it's very it's very important business. And I so um but for me it was like uh so dumb to be like well so and so is my inspiration and you're like wow that guy's still like alive and working what the fuck are you talking about so so for me it was this like i had to find other outlets so i i mean i really like like weird music and weird Mm -hmm. um visual art stuff put out through those kinds of bands and and devo was a huge one when i was a kid and still now is still a huge one. Devo and Mark Mothersbaugh's visual art stuff, like as a whole, that body of work for me was so influential and mm-hmm. so inspiring. Is like, oh, I'm not doing anything, you know? Like, it, like I can I can do my magic tricks and, and say whatever I want, but they're so like I'm not getting weird. They're getting weird. I can take little bits of weird and put it into the show without going over the top and and and. I mean, I just saw the residents live for the first time. That was a trip. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, like as far as live shows go, those guys aren't there to play music. The re- the residents is it's an art group. It's an art avant garde art group based around the fact that like maybe they played music once, <laughs> and I just love it. I love the visual art connected with it, and the and the, and the message, and uh, yeah, it's weird, but I like it. <laughs> So that, that was a big thing for me, was looking outside of magic, because, like, holy crap, if you just sit in magic your whole life... I think this is in the lecture notes, too, because it's just a thing that I like to yell at magicians, because they're like, oh, you know, I got, man, I almost named a magician. That would have been bad, right? Um, hey, blankety-blank is my inspiration. And you go, that's it? That's all you're pulling from? Is, like... You know, okay, so say this guy does mask magic. Oh, you're going to do mask magic in the same way right now and he's still working? Like, get your own thing going mm-hmm. and do the hell out of it. Yeah. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll end that sentence with a drink as if as using it as punctuation. Great. Yeah. That's proper structure. Yep. It's a drink at the end of a sentence <laughs> instead of just like... <laughs> I spilled water all over my shirt for real, didn't I? <laughs> you sure did. They'll never know. <laughs> They'll never know. Um, Except that you announced I it. I did. It was. <laughs> oh, damn it. It's all over the clothes that you had me buy. <laughs> I know. I yeah. know that you texted me that picture. And didn't even <laughs> think about the fact that you had literally... I, everything you were wearing is something I picked up. <laughs> Except the underwear. Yeah, so, yeah. Woof. That's why I said nice outfit. <laughs> nice outfit. Learn how to dress, Nick. 
<laughs> I didn't even think of that. I thought of it once you sent me that. I went, oh, wow, he sat me down and made me buy all those clothes, and it made me feel so uncomfortable. <laughs> like, you guys taught me what chinos were. Isn't that sad? I didn't know what <laughs> pants were. 20-year-old man, you didn't uh, know what chinos were. That's fine. That's, That's fine. fine. I'm not hip. I do like <laughs> this shit. So, like, <laughs> clearly don't get out much. You're just... basically an old man. Mm-hmm. Yo, I'm like a 65-year-old man. I think that's why we get along so well. Probably. because we're both just old-timers. Just old, gross old people who don't know how to dress. Except <laughs> that then they teach each other how to dress. Yeah, you and, and Brett Loudermilk brought me to them all and went, oh, Okay, we're going to buy pants that don't look like 80s mom jeans, Nick. <laughs> Here you go. Here's some big boy pants, literally. <laughs> yeah, so that was a, an actual day of my life. You even bought this t-shirt. This stupid, this has a pocket on it. If you put weight in this, it ruins it. You can't put weight in you a can't, t-shirt that, pocket. That pocket is just for aesthetics. Then don't put it there. This is not like, that's like making cargo pants that all the pockets are sewn shut. They're just cloth pouches with no storage space. It's just for the experience. That's what this t-shirt is that's for. That's the experience. It's for my experience. By the way, this you. t-shirt's not like a fancy. T- it's just a black shirt. It's but, a black t-shirt. But it has a pocket on it, and it cost an outrageous amount of money because apparently <laughs> it looks real good. Um, well, yeah. we had to find something that would fit your weird body. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Nick, what are you like a thirty ninety seven? Like you're you're just so weird shaped. You have jockey hips. <laughs> oh, Nick, you have very birthing hips. <laughs> you do. That was what that was what the Levi's store discussion was. With the woman at the Levi's store was like, "Whoa!" Like I, she was, she said, "Like oh, they look good." And I was like, "I have birthing hips." And she was like, "You know what? You have birthing hips." And I was like, "Ooh, leave now." Oh yeah, you don't. Ooh, leave, let's go to Top Man. Levi's they probably won't make comments. You no. Know? <laughs> No, raw denim was not my friend. Oh, God. That, day. that was, was... Yeah, raw denim was the worst. Raw denim was like, let's see what Nick would look like, but with Oompa Loompa pants <laughs> that like, never really sit right. With big, dumb jockey hips. Um, yeah. So, I catch spoons and cups. Yep. Try to validate my life. Mm-hmm. Did gambling stuff. And yep. don't like people who claim they're funny. <laughs> That about sums it up. That's my life. Fuck me sideways and shit in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> you and your old man sayings. You silly goose. Well, that that do you feel good? Do you feel satisfied? I think so. I gave you a lot of mouth garbage for a long time. <laughs> All right, I'm going to ask you the final question, which is okay. uh, when was either the hardest time you've ever been fooled or just like a recent time that you got fooled really um, badly? Oh, wow. Um, it doesn't have to be a good story. Oh, okay. Well, that helps. Uh, Tyler but Erickson it fucking better be. fooled the hell out of me <laughs> with a card trick. We were traveling through... Well, I've been fooled since then, but this was like a real... This one pissed me off. Yeah. Um, we were in Germany for a lecture thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, funny funny attached part. Please. We were in Europe for a lecture tour of his, <laughs> and I was like, just the little boy that goes along. You know, you whatever. seem to play that role a lot. I'm Yeah, well, it's been great for me. I, mean, I get to go to things, apparently. <laughs> oh, who's that? Well, he's just there. <laughs> he's just around. That's what your Google alerts are for. Yeah, I get Google alerts for just being places. Like, <laughs> oh, Nick DeVot was at this black carpet today. Who cares? I don't give one shit about where I was. 
Um, but you must give some shit because I have Google, Google alerts. alerts and well, that's because I'm afraid of slanderous things being posted about me because of a certain magician. Longer story. Uh, <laughs> Rhymes with uh, so we're gonna okay, but so he was posting bad things about me, and I had to set up a Google alert. But it's been handy business wise. Okay, so we were in Germany um, because Tyler had a lecture in Germany. Of course, lecture got canceled. Or no, no. Oh God, no. Sorry. Okay, so he had a lecture tour. I had family in Germany. We were gonna go visit the you family, look like in Germany. You have family in Germany. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Just a bunch of pale, fat people, probably. Um, no, my, my uh, Minnesota people had moved to Germany for, for business. I was going to visit them, and Tyler was going to come along. It was going to be great. We're going to be in Germany. And yeah. then they went They went on vacation to Minnesota. And so <laughs> I was. we were in Germany stuck for like a day with nothing. And Tyler was like, oh, here's this, here's this trick. I guess that's how he talks. Here's this trick. And so I uh, – what was it? I uh, This should seem like easy, but I shuffled a deck. Uh, I took out the card I was thinking of. There was one Joker in the deck, and then he had me deal through the, the shuffled it again, deal through the deck, and then when the Joker came up, uh, just say the name of the card that I had pulled out instead mm-hmm. of the Joker. So in theory, there's like no way that's possible. And he did it for me a couple times and fooled the shit out of me. And I love. I mean, he's done that more than anybody else with with card stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just weird, like. Okay, shuffle the deck. Uh, look at a card in the deck. Okay, five of diamonds. Like he's done more <laughs> shit like that to me than than most people. And like um, a big thing for me with him was uh, he does the fan force stuff mm. unbelievably well. There yeah. are multiple times that I can recall being fooled where he had me just put my finger up on the fan and do it myself and say stop whenever I wanted to be exactly on the card. The dude is a monster. So look into Tyler Erickson stuff. Seriously. I think it's strongermagic.com. That's a weird plug, right? My <laughs> friend's thing. No, he does. He's very, very good. He does uh, awesome, like, directing stuff. Yeah. He wrote a lot of the earlier stuff that I was doing. Mm-hmm. Help, helped write. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to be like, this dude, I gave him money, and he wrote my act. Because by the end of it, we weren't even, it wasn't a money thing ever. Nothing. It was just like, I would make props for him, and then he would write, and then we worked on stuff, and, and yeah. Perform together, doing close stuff. Very collaborative, yeah. Very, very like collaborative thing yeah. for years. It was yeah. great. So well, it's important to find people that you can work with that yeah. gel and that are in the totally. same mindset. Because like, you, if you're a good magician, you probably hate most people. So, <laughs> so you got to find like ten that are acceptable <laughs> and that you work well with. And no, I've been very lucky that I found a good like team of folks. Yeah. So. Well, do you want to plug your show at Hooters? Yeah, totally. Uh, so there's a show five days a week. It's called Comedy Daredevil with Ryan Stock and Amber Lynn at 9 p.m. I think it's Thursday through Monday. And it's great because Ryan is insane. Ryan does some of the coolest stuff I've ever seen done in a live show in a theater in front of real people with lawnmowers and chainsaws and knives. And it's all real and it's all genuine. And it scares the shit out of me every single night. I'm a very scared person, and I'm in the show. You're like a shaking chihuahua. He, true story, there's a bit in the show where I did the spoons, left the spoons on stage. He put a spoon in his nose, pulled it out, like, all the way up. is not just in his nose. Like, put the entire handle of the spoon back into his face. Yeah. Pulled it out, put it in, and mixed it up with the other spoons. I go back last night, like, the last show we did. Yeah. 
and it was fucking covered in blood. Oh <laughs> my god! Which was it? Ne- that never happens. But it, like this show is r- the real deal, and it's yeah. horrifying. And it's like he holds a chainsaw in his teeth for real. He has a running real electric chainsaw, bites the end of the blade and tips it up and balances it where the chain is like going in his, in his mouth, mouth and not cutting his cheeks up. Like the show is unbelievable. Yeah. For real. And I'm not saying that for yeah. any other reason other than I love these guys and I genuinely love what they do. And I'm very lucky that they were like, hey, do you want a job? And I was like, sure. So actually, the producers asked if I wanted a job, but they were there. Yeah, <laughs> so. they didn't say no. We have a killer production company behind us, and mm-hmm. and there's new lights and new stuff going in all the time, and they're very invested in the show, like mentally, and want it to be awesome, and mm-hmm. it's starting to That's turn into a real thing. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Hooters has been treating us very well. And I love Hooters. <laughs> and by the end of the run, I want as much novelty Hooters branded stuff as I possibly can. Because it's just funnier than shit for me to be walking around in a Hooters hat. I love every second of it. Oh, well, this has been wonderful, yeah. Nick. Thank you so much. Thank really you for having me. They have 21 delicious flavors of boneless wings. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great I if I went to a real to tell you about how fun and family atmosphere? No, this has been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Nick.